chapter 1 again. Uh, we'll be in verse 12. Um, we're going to continue today to look at some wisdom uh, from James, some nuggets, if you will, um, of wisdom from this awesome book. I started last week. I'm not doing an exhaustive verse-by-verse study on this, but some principal themes from this very, very powerful very loving, uh, confrontational book. This was a very confrontational book to the church um, of that day. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Amen? And I love that this book is very practical. Life application stuff, life application words to us. And the practical can be very, very spiritual. And so I encourage you again, as I said last week, I encourage you to read over this book. Uh, read it through the weeks ahead. Uh, look for the treasures that are found throughout it. Uh, you could probably come up with your own list of wisdom and, uh, and, and nuggets as, you are, as you're looking. Um, I just pulled out a few for these few weeks here, and so that's what we're going to look at on the Sunday mornings. But again, I encourage you to read through this book. It's a fantastic, fantastic book. Um, once again, it was a circulation letter. You can see that at the very beginning of the book. It was a circulation letter to Jewish Christians, Christ followers, they were scattered in Gentile territories. It was, uh, it was during a time of very intense persecution, and so you had uh, Christians that were scattered about. And so James, who was one of the fathers, if you will, of the, uh, of the first church, the first council of the church, and so he drafts this letter as a circulation letter, and they would, they would get it, and they would read it, and they would pass it along to other groups, and, uh, and it kind of made its way around, and so obviously it wasn't just for them. Uh, the Word of God lasts forever. It is for us, too. I said this last week, um, as my James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, if Jesus was the, is God incarnate, my wife is shaking her head because she knows what's coming. I, I just love this because if, if, James was, if Jesus was God incarnate and James was his half-brother, it makes him our uncle. So <laughs> nuggets from Uncle Jimmy is, uh, is what another... Uh, that'll be the last week I say that. I'm sorry. So I had to, I had to just pull that out there again. So you can, you can title it what you want. But I'm, I'm thinking about writing some articles based on this called Nuggets from Uncle Jimmy so that I can just uh, crack myself up every now and again. You know, if nothing else, just get a good laugh at yourself every now and again. And last week we looked at James 1, 19 through 25, talking about being doers of the word, this challenge to us to be not just hearers of the word. We live in a day and age where information is right at our fingertips. We hear, we hear stuff, CDs, we read stuff. We have the internet, which is filled with all kinds of good stuff. It's got bad stuff too, but there's lots of good things, good resources and so it's not about information that is our problem. It is about the application of the information. And that's what James is saying. He said, don't just be hearers of the word, thereby deceiving yourself, but be doers of the word. The word of God doesn't change us before you gulp and gasp. It's the application of the word of God that changes us. It is information then obedient application that leads to life transformation. That is what God is about. He's about transforming us from the inside out. And so uh, James has this very, very loving, again, loving confrontational uh, message uh, that we looked at last week about being doers of the word, active obedience. 
um, to the Word of God that changed us. Today we're going to be in James 1 again, but we're going to actually drop back a few verses, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 18. We're going to look at, today look at a topic, look at the topics of temptation and sin. Temptation and sin. And so where, where does temptation come from? Where does, where does, the, where does sin have its origination? Where's the birthplace of that stuff that's, that's within us? We're going to look at where it comes from. How do we battle against it? Is there victory in it? At the end, I'm going to cross-reference a couple of passages of Scripture that I think that are going to encourage us as we, as we fight this battle day to day because for, uh, fortunately with God, we are, we are being transformed. Those who belong to the Lord and those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, we are being transformed day by day and we're being hopefully changed from glory to glory. And so we're going to get some equipping today on how we battle against sin and temptation. Before I read the text, um, I want to take a briefly look and talk about the devil's schemes and strategies. And I'm not talking about bringing a lot of attention to the enemy. I don't think that we need to do that. But being aware of his schemes. Being aware of his schemes. When I was in high school... I always wanted to play football, but I broke my wrist really bad, and so I, the doctor always said that I shouldn't play contact sports, and so I didn't. My mother made sure of that. Thank God for moms. Um, I had to have surgery on my wrist, which was a side note, so you guys can all say off if you want to, but uh, yeah, um, it was pretty pitiful, but I'm better now. Um, but I wanted to be involved somehow with the high school football program, and so um, it was my job. I worked with the coach to take game film. You guys know what game film is? Somebody videos the game, and I would cut out all the timeouts and the huddles, and I would get right to where the play would start. You know, and I would erase all that back in the days of uh, VHS tapes. Kids, it's one of these big blocks. You pop it in a VCR, and movies play. It's really incredible. Um, there's going to come a day we're going to have to explain that stuff, I'm telling you. Who, how many 8-track tape people we have here? How many of you had to explain that one? It's like, can we rewind it? No, not the old ones. You've got to just continue to play it through. You know, wait, wait for it to come back around again. Then we can hear our favorite song. And so I would erase the timeouts, and, and it would get right to the play. And the coach at the time, who was a phenomenal coach, he, was, he had a great record. He won uh, three state championship, uh, high school state championship um, for, our, for, for the high school that I was at. And so this guy was very much a, a student of the game, and, and, it, and, and he would say, I want to see the play because we want to study the game film because we want to know what our opponent is doing. And we want, to, we want to look for mistakes. We want to look for weaknesses. We want to look for vulnerabilities that we can exploit when we're playing them. And so that was my job, is to get down to the, uh, you know, where the play would happen, and then he would get with different uh, you know, coaches, and he would get with a quarterback and the offense, and they would look at game film running this way. They have a weakness over here, and they would try to exploit the other team. That's a lot of what the enemy does. The enemy studies game film of our lives. He's a student of you and me. Because he cannot stand us because we are created in the very image of God and we are created for an intimate relationship with God. And that bugs him. Just as God has a plan for our lives, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, 
I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We believe that, and, 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 in our, and hopefully it gets in our heart, but up here at least, we believe that God has a plan for our lives. Well, just as God has a plan for your hope and your future, the enemy has a plan for your destruction. Jesus described this in John chapter 10 when he says the enemy comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And Jesus, again, he's not trying to just bring a whole bunch of attention to the devil where we bring glory to the enemy, but he said you need to be aware of the enemy's strategies against you. Peter says this, he says, be sober and vigilant. That's our own game film. As we look at what the enemy is doing, he says, be sober and vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is a real enemy of our souls. He hates us, and he is absolutely bent on destroying us. And so we need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. We need to be aware of his strategies and his schemes. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what trips me up. He knows what trips you up. You know that he won't come at you with things that don't trip you up or easily entangle you. As he has a plan and he has studied the game film, he is not going to try to exploit areas that are not very weak. That would be insane. But he has a custom fit strategy and a plan against your life. And he tries to exploit the weakness. He will go after what makes you weak. Go after those areas and whatever your thing is, because I have my thing and you have your thing and my thing may not be your thing, but we all have the thing or things that the enemy is going to go after and he tries to exploit. We have to be on guard. He wants to take us out. So he brings along those places of temptation in our lives and he tries to entice us and to drag us away. But temptation is not sin. You can say hallelujah with that. Temptation is not sin. Hebrews 4.15 says this, that Jesus as our high priest was tempted as all of us are, yet without sin. So he's tempted. Jesus was tempted as all men are, yet without sin. And this is another way that Jesus wanted to fully know us in the, in the human life. And the enemy, we see him coming in Matthew chapter 4, and you can read it in other places in the gospel, where the enemy comes at Jesus to try to, to tempt him and to test him. If he didn't feel like Jesus could fall, he would not have even gone after him. But we have this, this showdown. Jesus, in a time of vulnerability, Jesus just got through fasting for 40 days. And the enemy comes at him, tempting him and testing him. And, the, and we see Jesus battling him with the word of God. Each time, each temptation, Jesus says, is it not written? Folks, there is power in the word of God. There is power in knowing the word of God. For our Awana kids, there is power in memorizing the word of God. Not just for our Awana kids, for everyone. There's power in knowing the word of God, being equipped with the word of God. You know, and Jesus didn't just punch the devil in the face. The enemy would come and he said, is it not written? And he would give him the word and he would battle against him. Temptation is not sin. 
Let's read the text. That's a little setup. James 1, starting in verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Notice there's a distinction there. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from where? Listen to this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions or sin. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So you see a progression there. We have this, our own fleshly desires that are in us. And those are drawn to sinful things. Remember that I was just talking about that. You have a thing, I have a thing. But it's drawn to those things. But when we give in to those things, that's when it is sinful action. And then you keep on living there and it gives birth to death. It's almost an oxymoron there. Birth to death. Death will be in you. Verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Or every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. His prized possession, or that we are first fruits of His creation. Good stuff, isn't it? A lot to chew on there, and we're going to be looking at that as we go along. We need, in times of temptation, we need to discern those times of temptation. Verse 13, James is saying very clearly, God is not tempting us. You notice at the beginning of this passage, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. He's making a a distinction there because he said, God does not tempt anyone. But we need to listen when those times of temptation happen. We need to have our discernment on. We need to have a discernment alarm in our hearts. And the way we get that is that we stay close to the Lord and His Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in a a few minutes. But the Holy Spirit in us is when we are enticed. We need to listen to that discernment alarm that goes off. And and, and whatever your alarm sounds like, you know, whatever whistle, siren that goes off, you need to listen when God is speaking to you in those times of temptation. What is God telling you to do in that moment? God doesn't tempt. But listen to this. He does allow things to test us. That's why James makes the distinction. God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. God will allow things to test us. God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. Take a look at Job. God allows things to happen. Job is a very difficult book to read because God is allowing these things to test his heart and test where he's at. You've heard me talk about Joseph where Joseph had the dream of greatness, you know, and it took 13 years. And during that 13 years, it was awful. It was not just waiting in my dad's house for the time of greatness to come upon me. 
He is rejected. He's thrown in, you know, in the pit by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. And God allows all of this to test his heart. Psalm 105 says that, that the word of the Lord tested his character. Testing. And God will allow it. And, and in that place, especially when you're going through a hard time, it's easy to get angry with God. And, 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 and almost say, God, why are you tempting me to do that? And James is saying, do not say when you are being tempted that God is tempting me. He will allow things to test, but God, help me to pass the test. Help me to walk with you because here's the love part of God. The relationship aspect of God is when you're going through something, he wants to walk with you through it. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to embrace you. He wants to help you through that time of testing because he deeply, deeply loves us. You notice that when, in the midst of this whole thing with Joseph, it said Potiphar's wife, and this was a time of temptation. Joseph was young. He was a good-looking man. Potiphar's wife was very beautiful. And here comes temptation. It said that she would come to him and she, and this is the word of God, you know, and, and, you know, sleep with me. And he says, no, I can't do that. Daily, she would come at him with temptation. Now, was God setting this up? Was God putting Potiphar's wife? Did he put Potiphar's wife? No, he did not tempt Joseph with Potiphar's wife. He allowed it to test his heart. But there is a difference. And Joseph passed the test. Now, we know that Joseph's weakness must have been ladies and it comes and this temptation is right at the door and his discernment alarm goes off and what do we see him do he runs the other way he paid attention to the holy spirit in his heart and the discernment meter and the discernment alarm went off and so he bolted for the door james 4:17 says this remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it you can actually reverse that too, and it's knowing what you ought not to do, and then you do that. Listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart. Where can we find passages of Scripture for that? Recently, yesterday, the reading John 5 and then one year Bible, um, you know, Jesus heals this man at the pool of Bethesda. The guy is crippled for 38 years, and then he gets up. It's a mighty miracle. It's awesome. The guy goes walking and leaping and praising God, and, and we see that, and we, we have this joyous encounter with Jesus. And then a little bit later, Jesus finds him, and he's, Jesus has told him, don't be broadcasting what I've done for you. And, and then, of course, the Pharisees are saying, you know, because the guy picked up his mat and went home, and they said, you're working on the Sabbath. And there was this whole you know, debate about you know, working on the Sabbath. And Jesus has a little encounter with this guy, and he says something to him that is very profound. Because evidently, this guy, we don't know what all the ins and outs of the discussions and the conversation, we only have a snapshot, but Jesus says this to him. He says, stop sinning unless something worse comes upon you. You need to make a choice, my friend. You need to stop sinning unless something worse come upon you. And so Jesus is... He's saying, when I healed you and you had the encounter, I'm not going to vacuum the flesh and, and, your, and your sin nature out of you. That doesn't happen. There's something within us that God does not remove. It's the sin nature. It's the flesh. And we have to subject that to the Lord. 
John chapter 8, it's another beautiful encounter with Jesus. It's a woman caught in adultery. A lot of you are familiar with this story where the Pharisees drag her to Jesus. And they said, you know, the law of Moses says she deserves to die. You, you know the story. And Jesus said, okay, those of you without sin, cast the first stone at her. And they dropped the rocks and they went home. And Jesus walks up to her and he says, where are your condemners? And she said, they're, they're not here. And he says this, I don't condemn you either. But he doesn't stop there. He says this, go and sin no more. Stop sinning. And what is he saying is, I don't stand in condemnation of you, but if you keep running this race that you're running, if you keep making the decisions that you're going to make, you're going to condemn yourself, and you're going to, uh, and, and the enemy is going to have a field day, and he's going to have his plan for your life. I do have a plan for your life, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to subject your will to the Lord. You're going to need to go away and stop sinning. And so Jesus is empowering this woman to say, go and sin no more. Because you will condemn yourself by the, the, the decisions and choices that you're making. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so that is a great parallel with the James passage. If, you, if you, you're blessed, if you endure temptation... And Paul's saying, you know what? There's no temptation that all of a sudden it's like it takes control of you and it makes you do something. He said, God will give you a way of escape. You need to listen to the discernment. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit within you. And you need to go and you need to sin no more. So what does James say? Temptation happens when our own desires entice us and drag us away. Our own evil desires that lurk within us. Again, we, are, we, we all have a draw to certain things. The enemy knows this. He works with those desires that are in us to tempt us to fall. And notice that he comes during times of vulnerability. Jesus had fasted 40 days. This is before Jesus begins his, his earthly ministry. He has fasted for 40 days. What's the first temptation the enemy comes at him? If you, are the, if you are God, if you're the Son of God, make these stones become bread. Hunger at a place of vulnerability. Testing his authority. You know, and Jesus, we all know that Jesus, I mean, he could have instantly made those stones bread and said, see there? But he was not going to subject himself into obedience to what the enemy was doing. One of the speakers at the conference that Athena and I uh, were able to attend in Dallas, um, our men's group watched this one, but this guy named Dr. Robbie, he's a Christian psychiatrist, and he talks about this area of, of sin and temptation too, and he said, be very careful, and he, he gave a, this, this um, kind of an acronym about, he said that those times where you need to watch out for the enemy is when you're bored, lonely, angry, stressed, and tired. Blast, B-L-A-S-T. Isn't that very true? When you're bored, got the TV on, you're at the computer, it's very easy to go places that the enemy wants you to go and God is screaming, don't go there. When you're lonely, when you're angry, and we justify things when we're in these places, don't we? Well, I'm angry, so therefore, I can do this. When we're stressed, when we're tired, 
We need to watch out. We need to be aware that the enemy is on the prowl and he is looking to whom he may devour. And we've got to be very careful with this, folks. When we're in those places where we feel like that we are entitled to sin. So-and-so did this to me. I can do this. I'm tired and I'm angry. I'm going to do this. And sometimes it's not an outward thing. Sometimes it's an inward thing. So-and-so did this to me, so I'm going to resent them. You know, resentment is a place of control because you're in control. We need to, we need to be very careful where we go, where our thoughts go in these times where we are vulnerable. But let me scrap an old saying. Remember the thing, the devil made me do it? You know, the devil doesn't make us do anything. Stop blaming the devil. He gets way too much credit. He gets way too much playtime. James says it's our own evil desires that lurk within us, that entice us. You know, and you have to subject that to the lordship of Christ. You can't cast out the flesh. The only time your flesh is going to be cast out is when we no longer are living on this earth and we are heaven bound. You cast out the flesh and then you're gone. But it's our own evil, those things that, that, that lurk inside us. It's also interesting how we as human beings, when we're when we're faced with things and the enemy, now the enemy comes in with the temptation and he just plays off that evil that's already lurking in there. But how we like to categorize sin so that we don't feel so bad about ourselves. Isn't that a temptation? Because we have the biggies. Adultery, fornication, murder, addiction to drugs. How about terrorism? You know, those are these biggies that we like to say, now that is sin. This past week, we all heard the news that Osama bin Laden was killed. Now let me sidestep here for just a second. I'm as patriotic as anyone. I was in the military. I'm very proud of our military. I'm proud that they uh, had a mission. They went in. They did their duty. And I celebrate them for the, uh, the accomplishment of that. Now I'm going to sidestep over here because I want to talk spiritually for a few minutes. I was very troubled when I saw people dancing in the streets and cheering and celebrating. I was troubled because, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, and I know that he, he's right up there with Hitler, and again, we can categorize and we can say, well, you know, there's Hitler and Bin Laden, those guys, you know, and, but folks, this was a soul. And unless he had time to repent, he is experiencing something right now that no human being was ever created to experience. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Hell is a very real place. Jesus talks a lot about hell. 
and the description that that, and I'm not trying to use this as a fear thing, but it's a reality. And he talks about torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth, and, and, and it is an awful, awful place. And unless that guy had time to repent, which it looks like for all purposes he did not, we should never celebrate anyone going to hell. I actually heard on one news thing where they said somebody, somebody says he's in hell and he's getting what he deserves. And man, I'm just like, whoa, wait a second. Because we all deserve hell. We're no different. His sins of murder and terrorism nailed Jesus to the cross, but what about my sins? What about the lust that I carried for many years? It was the same nails that were driven into Jesus. It was the same lashes that he took for Osama bin Laden's sin as it was for my sins. What about our worry, our anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our gossip, our sinful control, our manipulation? Those sins, along with terrorism and murder, nailed Jesus to the cross. We need to have a revelation, folks, that categorizing sin does one thing. It helps me to feel better about myself. Well, at least I'm not Osama bin Laden. The only problem is when you stand before a holy and just and righteous God and you look into his eyes because every human being on planet Earth is going to stand before him. And we're going to give an account for our lives. And there will be no debate. Atheists won't be atheists anymore. The wisdom of this world will be like a grain of sand compared to the earth. And we will all stand before him and we will give an account. And in that day, the last thing in the world that I want to say is, at least I'm not Osama bin Laden. Because God's going to say, what about you? Where are you at? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. And then Romans 6.23, Paul says, the wages for those sins is death for everyone. We all deserve hell. Our own desires, James says, entice us and drag us away. Desire gives birth to sinful actions. You, you desire it and then you go after it. And then the sinful actions lead to death. What does that word entice mean? It means to bait the hook. Entice, it literally means bait the hook. What is your thing? The enemy puts it out there. Again, he only can come in contact with what is already lurking within us, and he puts the, he puts the, the bait on the hook, and he entices us. What are we allowing? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart about today? And just like Joseph, when the enemy baits the hook, we need to run from the hook. So many of us swim around the hook. Look at that hook. Look at that thing on the hook. I wonder how close I can get to the hook without actually touching the hook. Before you know it, you're captured. So what do we do? 
we must be committed. We must be fully devoted followers of Jesus. That is why we need discipleship like never before. Some people deal with it, and I'm not talking about that. There's, you know, I know that there are times when people experience possession and they need deliverance. I'm not talking about that. I know that there are those cases. But the vast majority of the time, people need discipleship instead of just deliverance. We went to a conference years ago about about this thing of spiritual warfare. And this guy named Chris Hayward talked about this. It was a discipleship program that he started. And it was, and it was this discipleship program was birthed out of great frustration. He worked under uh, Jack Hayford for many years. And he, he and his team, they would meet with people and they would do deliverance with people. Deliverance ministry, where they would do prayer ministry. And they would spend two and three hours with people and um, and these people were they, were, they are the top of the game. They knew what they were doing. And, uh, and he said, we did this ministry for some time, and it really, the fruit of it led to a lot of frustration. He said, because we would see people get free. And people had circumstances in their lives where they were going through some heavy, heavy things. And he said, we would see people go free. The only problem was we wouldn't see them for a while. And then a few months would go by and they would show back up and they would, he said, most of the time they were worse off than they were before. And he said, you know, we would do these, he said, exhausting two and three hour sessions with people. And so they begin to, he began to say, you know, what, are, what in the world are we, are we missing here? And so his, his, his topic on, on, at the conference was, um, the, the passage was from Luke 11, when Jesus says, he says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes into dry desert places, and it gets seven of its friends, and it comes back to the place where it had access. And it says, and if it finds that place, talking about a human being, if it finds that place clean, swept, Notice it's clean. Jesus has cleaned. Jesus has swept the stuff out of there. It's been confessed. It's been prayed over. But he says, the spirits find that place clean, swept, and empty. It will come back into that house, and that person will be worse off than they were before. And that's why this guy, they begin to start this discipleship program with people. He said, we would have people come in, they're vexed, and they are dealing with things. And he said, you know what? We're not going to pray for you at all because we're not going to do a disservice to you nor to us because it's exhausting. And, 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 and this, this two and three hour marathon deliverance thing really doesn't work in the long road. We need discipleship. And they would make them say, you need to commit to a 14-week, very intensive discipleship. They'd have to sign an agreement and say, then we will minister to you. Because what Jesus said was very true. That spirit goes out, and if you're dealing with something, you need discipleship. Yes, we need deliverance, but we need discipleship. It's like Jesus, when he ministered to that man at the pool, and he sees him a couple of days later, what does he say to, the, what does he say to him? You need to stop sinning, lest something worse come upon you. You need to make some decisions for your life. You need to determine what path you're going to go down. 
You're going to go God's way or you're going to go your way because there's a very distinct difference about where you're going. You need to get right with God. And so true freedom comes from a disciplined life when we are clean, swept, and filled with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. It is obedient application to the Word of God, just like what James says, what we talked about last week. Obedient application to the Word of God. It's interesting this week because he's talking about temptation and sin. Then he goes right into verse 19 about being a doer of the Word. I think both of them are tied together. Life transformation is obedient application of the Word of God to our lives. See, a lot of times we think that there's two forces that take control over us to make us do things outside of our will. You know, the enemy's in control, and so I, I'm like a zombie, and he's dragging me, and, I, and he makes me do stuff. And on the other side, is the, we think the Holy Spirit just drags you and makes you do stuff. And neither one are true. And I understand that there's times where you have possession and that's a different matter. But the vast majority of the time is that there's the evil lurking in us, that we are drawn to those things. And the discernment is going off and the, what the Holy Spirit is doing, he says, I want to empower you and enable you to run the other direction. He doesn't take over our bodies like a robot. He enables us and empowers us to live a godly life. And then we see James end this thought by saying this. Don't be misled or deceived, verses 16 and 17. Every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of heavenly lights. He never changes as a shifting shadow does. He is the giver of good gifts. He does not tempt us. He gives good gifts to enable us to live for him victoriously, to be overcomers. In John 14 and 16, you can read about the Holy Spirit, but he teaches us, he convicts us, he counsels us, and he points us to truth that is Jesus Christ. And the Father delights in giving good gifts to his children. Interesting that this whole thing, this is nothing, this is not new information. This goes back to the garden. Look at Adam and Eve. You know, God wanted Adam and Eve to serve him and worship him freely, not robotically, not forcing them to serve him. That's why we have a free will. That is why those things in us, those lurking things, God won't take away our flesh. He won't take away our sin nature because he doesn't want us to serve him like a zombie. And so we were created to have fellowship and relationship with him. But you have Adam and Eve in the garden. And you have the one tree in the garden that they are not to touch. God says, do not touch it. And a lot of, you know, we can have theological debates of, well, then why did God put that tree in there? Because, well, he did not want robots. And that was representation of their free will. And here's Adam and Eve. The father gives good gifts to his children. They have that entire garden. All these good and perfect gifts. The garden was huge. It wasn't like a backyard garden where, you know, you just look at it. and it's, This garden is huge, and it's got things for them all over the place. Where do we see Adam and Eve? I'm not saying that they were there all the time. But the story, it picks up the story, the snapshot we have in there is they're hanging out right next to the, 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 that, that, uh, that hook that has the bait on it. wonder why we can't have this. And you see them. How, I wonder how close we could get to it. 
Maybe if the breeze sits right, we could smell the tree. And you see them getting closer and closer to it. And it's interesting that when we have in Genesis where the, where the fall, where's the enemy? At the place of temptation. The enemy is not on the other trees. The enemy is there at the place of temptation. And Adam and Eve, that thing that lurks inside them, because this is before they sin. They still had a sin nature in them because they are drawn, they are enticed to this tree. And they're hanging around it. And the enemy is right there. And he calls God into question. We know how the story goes. That he, you know, he, he basically said if God, you know, God doesn't really want to do this and God doesn't really want to do that. If he, God was real and, you know, and he's just he basically calling into question and, you know, God's trying to hold out on you. And finally they partake of the fruit and, and, and then everything changes. Why are they hanging around that tree? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Folks, we need to get our eyes not on what we cannot have, not on those things that entice us and drag us away. We need to get our eyes on what God is doing. We need to get our eyes on the good gifts that he has for us. That is one of the ways we combat the schemes of the enemy. Because he only has access to that which we give him access to. You open the door, he's coming in. What are you being enticed with? What is the tree? What is that tree that you're hanging around? You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to run toward God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. I'm going to close with these passages because uh, where do we go from here and how do we endure? You can write these down if you want. How do we endure? First of all, Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9, you'll be familiar with these. Paul says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And it's like he's, he's, he's leaving these thoughts with the Philippian church. Fix your thoughts. You hear what he's saying? Fix your thoughts. You're going to have to be disciplined in this. He does not say the Holy Spirit's going to force your mind to fix their thoughts on these. He says, you fix your thoughts on what is true are you believing a lie today? You need to fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You hear the promise? Get that in your spirit. Fix your thoughts on those things. Romans 7, this is a great parallel passage to this entire message. I'm going to read this relatively quickly so you can listen if you like. Romans 7, Paul is talking about, here's the Apostle Paul struggling with sin. Romans 7, 14, so the trouble's not with the law, for, the, it, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Notice he didn't say the trouble's with the devil. The trouble's with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 
And I know that nothing good lives in me that is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Anybody relate to that? I love how real he is. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. He does not say the devil made me do it. He said, it's this thing lurking in me. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Listen to what he says. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ. It is a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. It's not having Jesus on the side. It's not adding a little Jesus to your life every now and again. He is not some salt shaker that you, well, I need a little Jesus today. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit. You need to be all consumed with Jesus Christ in your life. You need to live a surrendered life. You need to say, God, what does your word say? And help me to be obedient to it. And we need to walk with him as his disciples. But you hear the struggle with Paul, and we all have that struggle. And he's very real, but he says, how do we get free from this? How do we have the chains break off? It is through Jesus Christ. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. And we're going to close with this passage, 2 Peter 1. I love this passage. 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. And this is kind of a... This is, you hear, you hear that, that struggle with Paul, and he, and he says, you know, thanks be to God, it's through Christ Jesus. And, and then Peter, this passage from Peter, uh, it talks, it, this is kind of a how-to. Verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You could, you could post that on your doorframe right there. You could tattoo that to your head. Whatever you need to do, that is a powerful scripture. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. It's found in Jesus. He says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. That's intimacy. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, a great, given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Notice he did not say caused by the devil. We can share these promises to enable us to escape those things. In view of all this, verse 5, make every effort to respond to God's promises. The New Living says this, I like how it says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. You see a progression where he's going with this. Love God, love people, do what is right. Get the word of God in your heart. Knowledge, I'm not talking about head knowledge, just transformational knowledge. Self-control, endurance, brotherly affection, that's the love of God's people and then love for everyone. The more you grow like this, verse 8, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. 
then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate promise, is eternity with Him. You see these promises, and I encourage you to write those passages down. Get them in your spirit. Don't just hear them from me today. And i got to do the same thing and, and, and to apply this word to my heart. Because he makes some incredible promises that this world that we live in, it's hard sometimes. There's temptation there, and the enemy baits the hook, and we have these desires that lurk within us, and we are drawn to certain things. And Jesus is saying, run to me every time. Run to me. But I'm telling you, if you're just hanging around those things, that's the, you're in a slippery slope to sinful actions, which leads to death. And so we, instead of having this kind of 911 mentality of, of needing to be rescued, he says, do these things, put these things into practice. Love God, get the word of God in your spirit, be intimate with the Lord, pray, worship, read the word of God every day, you will begin to get strengthened and all of a sudden those evil lurking things inside of you become weaker and weaker. But it's very difficult is... You know, when you say, well, I'm struggling with something, how, well, have you read the word of God? Have you been praying? No, no, I don't worship, I don't do, but I'm having this struggle. God is saying, do the math. It makes sense. It's very practical. And James is challenging us. Do not say when you're being tempted, God is tempting me. But God is a giver of good gifts and he loves each one of us deeply. Let's pray. Father, we today, we are asking for strength. Lord, we're asking for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray today for each one of us, each one of our hearts. Again, Lord, I, I don't just point the finger at, at, at everybody else. I, I, I point it back at me, Lord God, because you are challenging us in this hour. And Lord, we, we, we just confess that sometimes, Lord, it's very difficult and some days might be a little bit better than, uh, than others, but some days, Lord God, we are just, we are bombarded and with thoughts, and, and Lord, we understand that evil stuff lurks inside of us, Lord, and we just subject ourselves, our mind, our thoughts, and our flesh to the Lordship of Christ. And I pray, God, today we would be consumed with you. That, Lord, we, we, you would not just be an add-on, but you would be what drives us every day. Lord, not in just those areas of sin and temptation, but Lord, you would drive us, Lord God, in, 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 our, in our walk with you, in our marriage, in our family, in, in our work life, at home, that we would be driven by you every day. We would get the word of God within our spirits. We would walk with you in intimacy and enjoy the good gifts that you've given us. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to be overcomers and more than conquerors. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sins upon yourself. And they were nailed there on the cross. And Lord, I just pray, God, have mercy on us. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives today. And God, I pray victory over each person. Thank you, God, that we have victory in Jesus Christ.